Podcast. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Really, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The orphans bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. What up? And welcome to Why Hasn't Iris Seen This Movie? I am your co-host, Wesley, and I'm here with my older brother. Younger sister, Iris. And today we're talking about 1984 James Cameron classic, known in Poland as The Electric Murderer. (laughs) And in the U.S. of A. as... Some controversy. Is it Terminator, a la... T2 Judgment Day, or The Terminator. According to IMDb, The Terminator. So why hadn't you seen this movie? Come on. Because you failed in your older brotherly duties. I honestly feel that way. So we're here immediately recording this because Iris just saw The Terminator and said, (laughs) what did you say as a result of watching this movie about Terminator 2? Ah, makes so much more sense. (laughs) It does. The dog barking. For years, I'm thinking, why is that dog barking? Oh, it's because dogs can sense Terminators. Ah, that's good stuff. You know, it's more terrifying than anything. The fact that the Terminator being sent back in time to 1984 to kill Sarah Connor was sent back from the year 2029. Yeah, not too far off, yo. Man, but I mean, Judgment Day is like 25 years ago. So it looks like they succeeded in preventing the apocalypse, at least so far. I was watching this YouTube reviewer, Nasser, who literally does a show that's like, I'm watching this for the first time. And he was watching The Terminator. He was like, oh, that's not what 2029 looks like. And it's like, are you sure, buddy? Because we've got we're on a pretty weird trajectory. Yep. As someone said online, these 20s definitely ain't roaring. (laughs) Yeah. So 2029 is the supposed date that they're sent back from. To 1984. Um, I always wondered why they only sent one Terminator at a time, and now I understand it's because, at least in The Terminator, John Connor and his resistance destroyed whatever machine it was that sent people after they had sent Kyle Reese through. Yes, that's correct for the purposes of this movie. When do we start this podcast, Wes? End of 2019, somewhere. And what episodes did we record but that never made it to air we did record a test of terminator dark fate we also reviewed joker and uh the breaking bad movie el camino and your favorite movie of all time oh uh, jordan peele's us (laughs) why do you ask because i reviewed our review on terminator dark fate and do you remember the rating that you gave to terminator dark fate yeah i didn't say that it was horrible i said it was a favorable review you gave it a six and in comparison you gave t2 a nine 
because you were using this weird number scale at the time, I asked you what you would have given T2, and you said a nine. So I stand by that. All right. So how does the Terminator stack up using a number system? See, I had to come to terms with the fact that my little sister hadn't seen the Terminator, despite Terminator 2 being a huge part of my life all throughout our growing up. I didn't understand. And then in a way, I had to find comfort and, you know, because I would go mad otherwise. And I found comfort through the idea that the Terminator, as much as you know about it, because there have been like six movies, the Terminator in a way stands apart from those movies because like A Nightmare on Elm Street or The Rambos or any of those movies that become franchises, they get, they become in in essence parodies of themselves and the terminator is kind of a different animal because we know that arnold's terminator is tough and funny and cute in some ways and that is all a result of terminator 2 and 3 where he is the good guy where he is inarguably the bad guy in terminator and it's a lot like first blood spoiler everybody knows rambo but unless you started at the beginning you don't really know what the Rambo character was meant to be when it was a serious character. I'm going to argue that The Terminator is a serious movie. It is, in fact, it brings up a question for me. Do you think The Terminator is a horror movie? I think in context it is. It's got all the uh, all the tropes. Also an action movie, also a sci-fi movie, certainly, but at its core, a scary movie, not intended for kids, not designed to have action figures. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is especially menacing looking in this movie. I mean, he is at his peak physical like specimenness, right? Yes, so much so that when they, spoiler, recreate the T-800 series and put Arnold's face on it in later Terminator movies, you're like, that looks too big. He's like gigantic <laughs> because he does slim down a little bit later in the roles, obviously. But he is huge, huge. in this movie. Huge, like unearthly huge. And just between 1984 and 1991, he slims down he looks older. He still looks great as the T-800 and Terminator 2. By the time T-2 came around, which is now 30 years ago this summer, he was already 40 years old. Whoa. So it's not like he was a spring chicken. Nobody was a spring chicken, arguably speaking, in this movie, because while Linda Hamilton was supposed to be an astonishing 18 years old and Kyle Reese was supposed to be 21, they were both 27. Oh. I mean, to look at Linda Hamilton, sorry, but she's always been the mother figure in Terminator 2, where she's a completely different Sarah Connor type character. She doesn't look 18. <laughs> <laughs> she's all flouncing around and I'm going to go to the movies, kiddo. And you feel like she is just a normal chick. She feels plucked out of obscurity in The Terminator, for sure. I mean, she's a nobody who becomes the somebody, the mother of somebody. There's also the obvious John Connor, Jesus Christ similarities, right? The JC, um, miraculous pregnancy, and he's just this emerging savior of man and all that. So would you rather go back in time and have your mom fall in love with you? Or would you rather Ew. go back in time and do your best friend's mom and then become your best friend's dad? Two movie questions based in the mid 80s. <laughs> I don't know. Mom was pretty hot, right? Um, what? <laughs> yeah, she was, actually. I just didn't expect you to say that. That's the most trick question ever. <laughs> um, I'm going with the latter. So you'd go back in time and you'd do Eric's mom and then you'd be Eric's dad? I mean, I make that joke all the time anyway, so it doesn't seem like it would be that far-fetched. But then I could make that joke and I'd actually be like relieving my conscience by telling the truth and he wouldn't know it. <laughs> 
It was as I was watching this movie that I realized I hadn't seen it before. Because for some reason, I've seen that Bill Paxton, like, goofball punk rock scene a number yeah. of times. They played it again. They recreated it sans Bill Paxton in Terminator Genesis. I found that familiar, but I really didn't find anything else familiar. And when the Kyle Reese character is introduced, I was like, who is this guy? And then I remembered you had referenced Kyle Reese in the Dark Fate review. And at the time, I was just like, I thought you were just quoting some obscure, like, you know, Terminator historian. (laughs) But Michael Bean, he's a tombstone guy, isn't he? Yes. Long, you know, 10 years after this role. Was he a cowboy? He was a cowboy. He was Johnny Ringo, the deadliest pistolier since Wild Bill, they say. So now I got to blow your mind, even though it should be obvious. He's Hicks in Aliens. Michael Bean's been around, longtime collaborator with James Cameron. Okay. Man. (laughs) (laughs) And Earl Bowen makes a great reprisal in T2 as Silberman. I loved how he was exiting the police station just as Arnie was walking in and just before Arnie takes out the whole lobby with the car. But I was questioning in T2 why he didn't believe Sarah Connor. Like, he saw the destruction at the police department. Did he, at, you know, at least the aftermath, did he Did he think that was just the work of a psychopathic mass murderer? I don't know. One of the uh, the disparities in T2. Um, so who else makes an appearance in T2? Well, Lance Henriksen, who plays Bishop in Aliens, he doesn't return, but he's such a prominent character, uh, but he doesn't factor into the later Terminator movies, except that there were conflicting reports. He was either intended to be the Terminator, or he stood in for the Terminator. There's a lot of stories about this dude. Lance Henriksen plays the police captain who gets killed pretty early on, uh, along with the uh, the other guy who gives Sarah his coat who dies. Oh, but yeah. He's kind of otherworldly, kind of scary looking, which is why he played Bishop in Aliens. Originally, the Terminator was supposed to be a humanoid figure who could pass for normal. He didn't look hugely jacked and ridiculous so that James Cameron based a lot of his initial sketches around that dude's face. So Arnold had originally come in to audition to play the hero. The Terminator is a machine and unstoppable, but it looks like a normal dude. Whereas if the humans were going to send their best defender in Kyle Reese, he would be buff and jacked and the only human who could possibly stand up to an unstoppable machine. And then when he and Cameron talked and met, Arnold was all excited about it. And James Cameron decided he would be better for the Terminator role. But also, Arnold was coming off of hits where he's always playing the hero. It was probably unexpected when this came out in 1984 that he would be the bad guy. Yeah, his agent advised against it. The Terminator was a totally guerrilla-style, modest-budgeted sci-fi movie by a nobody. This James Cameron dude, who even Arnold didn't expect it to do very well. But it became the massive hit and the franchise spawner that it became. So really, all he had going into Terminator was Conan the Barbarian from 1982. And the Destroyer came out after the Terminator, even though they're both listed as as the same year. As my understanding. And I grew up loving both of these movies. But to me, they feel worlds apart. Because Conan the Destroyer was a really big budget fantasy action movie that looks better than Terminator does. It has the money. And Arnold is all oiled up and stuff. And... Not so much in this movie, which takes place 
90% of this movie, I think, takes place at night. It has a very gritty feel because of it. Very gritty, very underworldy. But I don't know that it's an indie movie. Like, it's still James Cameron. It still feels James Cameron. And even if it was, quote-unquote, low budget, it has an epic feel. It does because of James Cameron. I think his vision as a filmmaker, you're right, is clear. I really think the only credit to his name before this was the Piranha 2, the Spawning or whatever. That was a, a movie that he did for money so he could finance movies like The Terminator. It was a studio movie, but he did it with a budget of like $6 million. And a lot of this stuff was unpermitted guerrilla style stuff where they, they're running out in the outfit, get the shot done in two minutes and scram before the police arrive. In L.A.? Not all of it, of course, but, you know, when he needs pickups and he needs it to be his vision and they just don't have the shot, they would just run out and shoot it and run away. It bears noting that a lot of the stuff that was way too ambitious in his mind, Cyberdyne and all that stuff was part of the story for the Terminator, which he later recycled. Additionally, he did want the Terminator to be a liquid metal, much more advanced, not a cyborg necessarily. And that all was limited by not only his budget, but by the fact that he just realized that the effects weren't up to snuff yet. He did some tests with like claymation in dark settings to try to pull off this liquid Terminator type deal. And it just it looks silly. So he abandoned it. And I think that James Cameron knows that when he has something in his mind that the tech is just not up to speed with, he'll just kind of create that tech and then come back and do it. <laughs> Which he did. The uh, the water creature in the abyss was the first iteration of the liquid metal Terminator in Terminator 2, which followed shortly thereafter. So the stop motion is pretty obvious. And the animatronic Arnie face was not only very distracting, <laughs> but it was also very weird. Like, what was with the gratuitous eyeball pulling out scene? Like, why does he pull out his eyeball? It, well, it was damaged. There's a couple of things about that. Number one, it was practical puppet kind of thing, right? Because you can't pull the eyeball convincingly out of a real actor. It does feel a little bit silly, like with CG or the right makeup, you could have edited it convincingly. But no, they were going to go with a fully articulated Arnold looking kind of rubbery head and pluck the eye or the lens of the eye out of it. But this was a camera right in the face of a dummy. Wow, that looks distracting. And it, they only kind of get away with it because it is supposed to be a robot and not supposed to be necessarily human. If you're going to wear sunglasses, why not just keep the damaged eyeball in? Because it looks cooler. James Cameron actually gave Arnold fewer lines in this movie than he had in Conan the Barbarian, where he has like 27 lines or something. It's super minimal because he's an unstoppable killing machine and he doesn't have time to chat. Yeah, he's not here to make friends, but he does have some subtle humor moments that foreshadow his later character development. Like when he says, I'll be back to the police officer in the, at the front desk, it's a little bit of an understatement, right? Yeah, that's the joke is that it's a quite an understatement. So it doesn't make sense really out of context unless you get the joke from the original Terminator movie. Uh, so, OK, I've got two other quiz questions and then let's talk about the actual Terminator movie for a minute. Terminator dance club name. Oh, that's tech noir, which is actually a phrase that's coined by James Cameron for the type of movies that he wanted to make. Oh, like it's his own movie genre? Yeah, it's like a noir kind of film, but they're also tech heavy. See, my random trivia yielded interesting factoid and tidbit. Yeah, you got to be careful with this movie because this movie has been facted to death like, uh, you know, the electronic murder murderer. But some of them make me so happy. 
that you have to bring him up. Like? Like, it has no bearing, but Bill Paxton, who doesn't appear in Terminator 2, but does appear in James Cameron's Aliens, uh, with his appearance in this movie, started the trifecta that no other actor has achieved. He was the only actor in history to be killed by a Terminator, an alien, and a predator. (laughs) That is a unique distinction. Bill Paxson's Triple Crown. And where Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't necessarily the Arnold Schwarzenegger we know today. It wasn't a given that it was going to be him as the Terminator. And a bunch of people showed up to audition to potentially be the Terminator. Among them, Mel Gibson, who I think has a steely kind of otherworldly gaze that I think really would have worked. But also, guess who was rejected for being too nice and too friendly looking to play the Terminator? Well, not everybody knows because I don't know. O.J. Simpson. He does have a friendly, goofy thing. (laughs) I guess. Friendly, goofy, murderous thing. Allegedly. Come on. And a bunch of people tried out for Kyle Reese. And the one that I thought stood out was, for a while, it could have been Sting. Sting? Yep. Wanted to play Kyle Reese. Deborah Winger was actually signed on to play Sarah Connor and then dropped out. And the last stupid trivia... What do you figure Arnold Schwarzenegger being, obviously not English being his second language, what do you reckon is his first language? German. Do you know that in Germany, Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice isn't the voice of the Terminator? They dubbed him in German. Because believe it or not, Arnold Schwarzenegger's classic voice is like super country bumpkin-y. And so the Terminator would be like, hey, you Sarah Connor, come on over here. Like it just sounds silly to Germans. So they dubbed him with a proper German accent in Germany. Basically, they could have gotten him to do the German dub, but instead they were like, mm-mm. I have to say, dude, 1984 action film made on a low budget holds up. A little bit silly in places, obviously, due to the budgetary constraints. And there's some of the funny stuff that I think was intended to be funny. James Cameron is really good at what he does. And as clunky as some of the stuff may have been, like the romance and stuff in Avatar, this one is fairly tender. He has a female protagonist, and this movie actually did fairly well among women viewers. And he, you know, he said that he wanted to be original, not necessarily progressive, But Gail Ann Hurd gets screenplay credit for this movie when she didn't do any actual writing on it. She did some editing of the screenplay and people attributed Sarah Connor and her femininity to Gail Ann Hurd. And James Cameron was like, yeah, that wasn't you at all. That was me. And he can write female characters, as is evidenced by subsequent female roles in Ripley and, of course, uh, your girl from Titanic. Also kind of a intimate under peril kind of love story in a weird way <laughs> it doesn't seem to fit in very well because nothing about the uh the terminator poster screams date movie <laughs> well the whole thing sets up john's conception so it's very necessary for them to go to the, go to that hotel and he pretty successfully builds up the sexual tension between sarah connor and kyle reese it's kind of weird and you're like i don't there's something kind of off about it but as soon as they get into that hotel it's just an inevitable right and you have the piano score which is actually that became the iconic terminator score you mean the yeah well that's what came in later on but you know in the hotel room it's a plinky piano plink 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 and it's like oh that's romantic the love song was the it became the the main theme of the of the theme song? Plink, plink, plink. Yep. 
<laughs> so watching this movie as a kid, I couldn't be less interested in, okay, not entirely not interested, but um, boobies. I, I wanted the, the Terminator action. But it just kind of goes where I accepted wherever it was going to go. And so as an adult, I noticed some different things about this movie. Did you notice that his hair changes? Uh, he When he kicks open the wrong Sarah Connor's door, he's got this floppy, like Hugh Grant type haircut. And then later on in the hotel room and at the end, his hair is much spikier. No, I didn't notice. And then... I was thinking about the face scene where he cuts out the eyeball so he has the glowing, you know, red Terminator eye and why that face also looked strangely incorrect for supposedly being Arnold Schwarzenegger's face. And what happens is is he leaps through the fire and he smashes his arm through the windshield and his jacket is smoking. And so the continuity, it actually tracks that his hair got burned and singed in the fire. And so it has this spiky, singed, shorter look and a drastically different hairstyle. And his eyebrows are gone. That's right. Because when he's tracking them in the parking lot, I'm like, why does he look so weird and inhuman? And it was because... His eyebrows are gone. He actually shaved them off and had them insured, as legend goes, because he wasn't sure they were going to grow back. But it was because he went through the fire and lost his hair and his eyebrows. (laughs) I did notice the eyebrows. You can get away with the movie continuity and be like, okay, in our movie world, fire doesn't burn off your eyebrows. And I don't know. It's kind of risky because it does make him look distinctly inhuman and weird. And it's not something that you register at first. But yeah. It definitely is not an obvious change. It's like you can watch how many Whoopi Goldberg movies before you realize she doesn't have eyebrows. (laughs) You have to wait for IMDb or for the internet to tell you. Exactly. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's what was missing. But then I was, so I was definitely trying to figure it out. And even though I was asking about the purpose of pulling out the eyeball and this little den hideaway thing, the real answer to that is obvious. It was important at that time in the storyline for the filmmakers to firmly establish that what Kyle Reese is saying is true. And that there's no better way to demonstrate that Arnold Schwarzenegger is a robot or a cyborg other than him pulling on his eyeball and revealing his little glowy eye. So Yeah, and that's just the start. But right. But at that moment, they're really debating, like, is this real? And Kyle Reese is being examined by the police psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist is talking about his classic disorders. And Sarah Connor's like, okay, I can take a nap. And then you cut to Arnie and he's pulling out his eyeball. And you're like, oh, See, that that distinction is lost to time for me because he was always the cyborg killing machine, right? That's a given. So much so that that's the substantiating scene where you're like, it's true. He really is a machine. Right. And this will take you back to 1991. We're going into the theater. Can you imagine a time where Arnold Schwarzenegger comes through the portal, time portal again, and you think that the T-1000 is the good guy? And that Arnold is still the bad Terminator until he demonstrates otherwise. When he came through that portal, you're like, here comes the Terminator to kill everybody. Yeah, that must have been everybody's impression in 1991. Right. And that's so lost because it's so such a given now that he's the good guy Terminator. And that Robert Patrick was supposed to be the Kyle Reese style character. Was in fact the Terminator that James Cameron originally envisioned as looking like an every dude. Super strong, fast, scary, and relentless, but doesn't have to be huge like the T-800 model. Which after the fact, you have to assume is to conceal this gigantic, fully articulated endoskeleton. 
You got to have a buff dude covering all that. <laughs> right. Like Sarah Connor says in Dark Fate, where she's like, Alicia doesn't realize that you're 400 pounds and that you don't sleep. <laughs> He's a big ass robot cyborg, dude. You could pretend. You could just power down, go in low <laughs> battery mode or whatever. But uh, one thing interesting I found in this movie in doing some research is that apparently Kyle Reese and the Terminator, the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator, only appear in one frame together. And that's where he blasts him in the tech noir as he's got a bead on Sarah Connor. He's about to shoot Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese shoots him. And that's the only time the two actors are actually in the same frame because the end doesn't count because Schwarzenegger is not he does. He's not present when the T-800 endoskeleton rises up out of the wreckage of the truck. Hmm. One of the points of contention between Cameron and the studio was that when Reese puts the pipe bomb in the exhaust of the truck and dives into the dumpster, uh, the truck blows up. That's the end of the movie. And James Cameron is like, that is not the end of the movie. And indeed, you have a whole like fourth act where they're being hunted by the cleanly burned endoskeleton. Oh, right. The ending, that's all they're doing is fighting the machine until Kyle Reese gets his, you know, comes to his end and then Sarah Connor has to has to survive on her own which also was a very important story point i thought i thought it was important for us to see in the terminator sarah connor not only have to defend herself but to ultimately triumph without kyle like it's it's what sets up her character for her her trajectory which feels so inevitable even as transformative as it is uh in t2 yeah she self-realizes on your feet soldier on your feet and she like won't let him give up even though he's limping around and half dead (laughs) you're gonna save me even if you're gonna die doing it he certainly like rolls around for a long time like just enough to build up the the suspense and then when he gets up he kind of books it (laughs) i love it so much though obviously you can see it how it ties in so nicely with terminator 2 And, uh, you know, there is a guy who just recently, within the last couple of months, redid the T-800 without the stop motion, fully digitized the ending scene where it looks, obviously it looks much better. I mean, all this stuff that, oh, the phone you have in your pocket is 50 times more powerful than the computers that took the Apollo astronauts to the moon, all that stuff, right? But there is some charm to the puppetry. Stan Winston is a master. He actually got this job and started his long-standing collaboration with James Cameron because one dude turned down the role and was like, you know who's really good with robots? Stan. And so Stan Winston and James Cameron partnership was born, but he convinced Cameron to not do a lot of stop motion because that scene where the Terminator's coming at the door and they slam the door, you're like, ooh, that dates badly, right? Mm -hmm. But the reason that the Terminator for us, a relatively low budget movie, doesn't feel horribly dated is because some of that puppetry work is really quality. That's a gigantic metal skeleton that's not cheap. I mean, that thing weighed a lot. And there's like some poor dude out of frame with this Terminator torso on his back, like lurching forward while somebody else operates the arms and junk when he's coming after them in the machine shop. Really? So they had this, yeah, this actual puppet that is really cumbersome and they could only shoot from the bottom, you know, or from the top because you can't have this multi hundred pound skeleton lumbering around and still be able to operate it with the hidden wires and stuff. And uh, and I, I just love how much work they put in for this movie that nobody expected to go anywhere, how great it holds up 
36, seven years after the fact. I love that Kyle Reese dies and you like, you really feel it. And he tried so hard to protect her and they zip him up in the body bag, which wasn't a body bag. It was James Cameron's personal like suit, laundry suit bag. (laughs) (laughs) Just so many corners cut that were amazing that nobody appreciates, but he had to get this movie done. He poured acid on poor Arnold's jacket to make it smoke. <laughs> it was like, I read that one of the, in the hotel scene, like the morning after they boned, there's like smoke and haze in the background. And it wasn't actually smoke. There was like this fly, like poison fly scare in the 80s. So they pumped like this DDT or something in the air. And they were like, that's great. Let's use it. They go to that tunnel in downtown LA. You know where it is near MoMA under the Disney concert hall. And they must have used that tunnel like seven or eight times to achieve the desired length. Oh, good point. It's not that long. (laughs) Right? With the motorcycle and stuff, they're like, okay, reset 150 feet. And they made that tunnel seem like four miles long for the giant (laughs) pipe bomb lobbing scene. Yeah, he's got a lot of those pipe bombs and they sure did come in handy. So I thought when they were in the hotel room and she's pulling out mothballs and all the, and like all the pipes and stuff, she says, what does she say? making house or something what's for dinner <laughs> and he says plastique because he's making pipe bombs uh-huh and for like 25 years i thought plastique was some utilitarian futuristic like ration food ration i was like i wonder what the recipe is for plastique and is it actually edible <laughs> growing up with the terminator Yep, James Cameron was way too advanced, and there's a lot of lore in there, and it's really well-constructed. And I think the key is to be able to choose your moments. When you have these fantastic universes all in your head and you're a big, giant nerd, you're like, let's start small. Let's start with the Terminator. Let's start with the Hobbit, this little tale of the one Hobbit in the Shire with a ring, and that's it. And then later, we can do Terminator 2. Later, we can do the Lord of the Rings. Hey, did you like uh, Avatar? Well, you got like five more of them coming. All right, so that's a review on The Terminator. 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Currently available on HBO Max. Wes gave T2 a 9, Dark Fate a 6. And so I'm going to hold you to a number scale for 1984's The Terminator. It would have been an easy totally, but on the number scale, you have to allow that, you know, this isn't a perfectly made movie because it really would have benefited from another $50 million in the budget for $1984. So I'm going to stick with a solid nine because he took what was basically a scary puppet and made it horrifying, but also transcended the horror genre in the same way that Alien did five years before. This is not just a horror movie or a sci-fi movie or an action movie, but a, but the genesis of a massive cultural impact piece of entertainment. Terminator is a miraculous little movie that doesn't feel little, that transcends its little narrow budget and focus. And I think that's evident. This is the emergence of James Cameron. A totally slash nine from Wes, a good from Iris. Let us know what you think about the Terminator. Come on, we know you have thoughts about the Terminator because everybody's seen the Terminator, right? Except for me. 818-835-0473 is our hotline. Leave us a voicemail or send us an email or whatever movies at gmail.com. Thank you for being part of Iris's uh, movie re-education and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.
Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid.